Amen. The disciples believed in the abundance of God's grace and all-sufficient love until they didn't. Just before our reading, in the beginning of the chapter, Luke says that Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. This is pretty standard stuff for those of us who are used to hearing the stories of Jesus. We're not surprised that he gives them supernatural powers and sends them on their way. But it's the next part that raises eyebrows for me. Where Jesus said to them, Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Wow. What a testament to faith in Jesus that they went through with that. What a tribute to a belief in a world where God takes care of our every need A belief mentioned in Luke 12 that we are of more value to God than the sparrow, that every hair on our head is counted, that we don't have to worry about the next meal or the next dollar or the next step, but to rest so utterly in the abundance of God's generous substance. Thanks be to God. But then they came home from the mission trip, and these receivers of grace had a harder time dishing it out. Looking at this crowd, this hungry mob of 5,000 plus, they say to Jesus, you got to send them away. They, they need to go to the surrounding villages and countryside so they can find hotels and get food. Because our heroes were done with trusting God, forgetting their recent journeys where they had relied on providence for every morsel of food, every drip of wine, to now being faced with the reality of economics. Scarcity, supply, demand. They want it, and we don't got it. There is not enough. And they emphasize this by reminding the rabbi, for we are here in a deserted place. A deserted place. Does that ring any bells? If you're living in the first century and you have any knowledge of Jewish history, then you know exactly why Luke emphasized that part of the conversation. No Jew can hear about deserts without thinking about their ancestors wandering as the nation of Israel, newly sprung free from the chains of Pharaoh, having crossed the Red Sea, now in the desert, pleading with Moses to find them something to eat. Kvetching. At least in Egypt, we ate three square meals a day. Did you bring us out here so we could starve? And then the people, deathly afraid of scarcity, find out that God's sustenance can indeed rain from the heavens. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann tells the story in this way. He says, in answer to the people's fears and complaints, something extraordinary happens. God's love comes trickling down in the form of bread. They say, man who? Which is Hebrew for, what is it? And thus the word manna was born. Now the Jesus feeds 5,000 men, plus the unaccounted for women and children that I hope they were going around town with. That he does that is amazing. But I'm still left shocked at the disciples. 
I mean, the turnaround in their worldview in a matter of days is mind-blowing. Didn't they remember the manna given to their ancestors in the Sinai Desert? Didn't they remember the manna given to them in that recent journey where they didn't take a bag or even an extra set of clothes? Couldn't they believe? If there was anyone in the history of the world who was finally going to stand up to this false narrative of scarcity, it was them. So why did they fall back into that mindset of scarcity? Why do we? I believe it's because we don't get enough practice participating in the right economy. Walter Brueggemann suggests as much in his essay called The Liturgy of Abundance, The Myth of Scarcity. Examining why the ancient Israelites had such a hard time with this gift from the skies, he diagnoses it this way. He says, they had never before received bread as a free gift that they couldn't control, predict, plan for, or own. The meaning of this strange narrative is that the gifts of life are indeed given by a generous God. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. It's an embarrassment. It's irrational. But God's abundance transcends the market economy. Now, in Marketing 101 in college, I learned that my advertisements needed to speak to a human need that was going unfulfilled so that my magical product could step in and save the day, of course. Scarcity? Meet my magic products. That's the fuel of the market, isn't it? The market economy says there's got to be a need that we can fulfill. But if Walter Brueggemann is right, God's economy of abundance transcends the market by using a different kind of fuel. So what is it? The answer became clear to me with a story shared with me by Devin Johns. Devin is the coordinator of Philadelphia's Broad Street Ministry Youth Initiative, where 14 of our youth went this summer on a mission trip. She told me that Broad Street made a shift a few years back from abundance to enoughness because of their experience with food. At Broad Street, they feed hundreds of people multiple times per week. And while they were relying on the imagery of the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, they used to give their, let the guest serve themselves giving them what Broad Street believed to be a dignified experience. But one volunteer noticed by the salad bar, there was always a pile of salad dressing on the floor. Them, being good Presbyterians, decided to form a committee, which in turn decided that one salad bar wasn't enough. So they built a second salad bar which, of course, didn't solve the problem, but simply created more puddles of French dressing. Now, around the same time, they started noticing something funny about their annual Thanksgiving Day meals. Instead of people coming in and devouring their beauteous turkeys, a good portion of the folks weren't eating a single bite, but instead pulled out their Tupperware containers and started collecting the food to eat later. They finally started asking these guests what was going on. They realized that many of them were here for their third, their fourth, or their, even their fifth 
Thanksgiving Day meal. And they wanted to get more food so they didn't run out in the coming days. Others, on the other end of the spectrum there at Broad Street, were stuffing themselves to the point of sickness. Now from their perspective, trauma-informed perspective, of most folks who are homeless have at least some form of trauma in their lives, they believed that no meal could be promised and that you had to grab what you could when you could. Now back to the salad bar committee. Back there, someone had mentioned maybe installing a third salad bar. But others had learned that by allowing this concept of overabundance to guide their trauma-informed model, they were in fact perpetuating scarcity. And that was the end of the salad bars. Instead of adding a third, they got rid of the salad bars entirely, and not a single guest seemed to care. They found at Broad Street that the fuel for the economy of abundance was not endless food, but enough. Enough. Now, guests are served pre-portioned plates by volunteers. And when they ask for seconds, they're told by these trained volunteers, we have enough for this day, and there will certainly be enough for tomorrow. My friends, that you and I would believe in God's economy of abundance, built on enough. Enough to feed ourselves. Enough resources to run our church. Enough in our 401k to fund our retirement the way we want it to be. Enough on our students' resume to get them into college. How many of us feel like we're not enough? Not endowed with enough good looks. Not a hard enough worker. Not a good enough parent or friend or partner. How many of us have taken on the extra project at work or added on another extracurricular for our students because of this fear of scarcity when what we really want at our very deepest part of our bones is to hear someone or anyone tell us, you are enough. You are enough. This is at the root of what Jesus was saying when he looks at the crowd and he says, you give them something to eat. I have given you enough. You have enough just as you are because all that you are comes from God. Brueggemann qualifies abundance with enoughness, if you listen carefully, by saying that Jesus presents an entirely different kind of economy, one infused with the mystery of abundance and a cruciform kind of generosity. 5,000 are fed and 12 baskets of food are left over, one for every tribe. If bread is broken and shared, there is enough for all of Israel. 
Jesus transforms the economy by blessing it and breaking it beyond self-interest. From broken Friday bread comes Sunday abundance. How often are you and I hoarding our manna just to find out that manna doesn't keep overnight very well? Forgetting that prayer that we claim to be most precious, feel free to finish it for me. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you believe that God has given you enough for this day? Do you believe that God has made you enough? My friends in Christ, enough already. 